I'm glad to be here with you this morning. Welcome uh, and just to have an awesome time in the Lord this morning. My name's Charlie Blair, if you don't know, and I'm certainly pleased to be here this morning. Uh, you, I'm, I'm privileged to get to serve uh, as an elder of this congregation. I'm privileged to get to serve as a discipler in this congregation, and I'm privileged to get to stand up here and speak to you this morning. Uh, I just don't understand why you're here this morning, because I know Matt gave you a fair warning last week. <laughs> so join me with this. This week we're starting a, a series uh, in the book of James. It's, it's, I want you to consider it a sequel to the series that Matt wrapped up last week on, on freedom. Because once you've received your freedom, you have to learn how to live in it. So we're going to join James in that this morning. You see, freedom does not guarantee a life free from conflict. Have you noticed that? How many of you are free? Okay, just a couple of you. Okay. <laughs> So the right audience, right time. This will speak to you. But if you're free, you still have conflict. How many of you still have conflict even though you're free? All right. We're, so we're, we're in the same category. We're in the same boat today, right? See, your, your confession, your baptism, and your repentance starts an epic battle, an epic assault against your freedom. And you may not always be prepared for that. The blood of Jesus has already bought your freedom. That's, that's a given. But what's left is for you to take possession of your freedom and, and to uh, wrest it from the strongholds that work to undermine your freedom and to rob you of your joy. You see, freedom is simply where the battle begins. That's not altogether encouraging, is it? <laughs> so in this little book of James, if, if you, anybody have a Bible with you? If, you? if you don't know where the book of James, you take this big, thick book, and you go almost all the way back to the, to the back. There's 27 books in your New Testament. And at number 20, just before the end, you find this little bitty book of James. However, if you were to put them in the order in which they were written, what we call chronological order, James would be number one. It's the first book written to the New Testament community. It's the first book the first word of encouragement that the church at large would have received in written form. That's why this is so important to understand this context and to understand uh, this book. The first people that took Jesus as Lord and Savior encountered problems in their lives for doing that, and they received this encouragement. So before we dive into the book of James, i got a little bit introduction here for you. I want you to watch this great little video. Let's roll the video. There you go. Five chapters in just a little over eight minutes. And that's, that's kind of an awesome. I really recommend this Bible project. They've got lots of videos out there and they distill things down in a very easy way to understand. They have a good Bible reading program if you want to use their, their resources to help you understand what it is you're reading. I really enjoy them. But uh, what we find out in the book of James is that James acknowledges that life often brings us to a place where we struggle with expectations versus reality. Have you noticed that? Expectations versus reality. At one time, you, you, you may have taken your messy life and you said, here, Jesus, would you just clean this up for me? And like the cleaners, you left it there and you went on with your life. It doesn't work out so good. But instead of the miraculous, trouble-free life you anticipated, cleanly pressed, you had one struggle after the other, and in the overflow of those struggles, you, you may feel like you're drowning, exhausted, confused, or spent. You may just want to give up. 
anybody in this category, anybody struggling like this today, you know, it's okay. It happens to all of us. But what if, what if your struggle has a purpose? No, you say. But what if you could repurpose your pain, your confusion, even your fatigue? You see, repurposing things is very popular right now. If you, we could put a repurposed Pinterest board up, right? Uh, struggle and see how that works out. But Pinterest testifies to the value and the popularity of repurposing. So what if you could repurpose your struggles and change your perspective about them and live in the freedom that's already been purchased for you? See, the job's already been done. What that does is it brings you to the proverbial fork in the road. What does Yogi say when you come to the fork in the road? Take it. You're at that place in your life. Uh, So fork number one, give in, give up, step away, quit, retreat. Choose to be a victim of the war between heaven and hell. Please, don't make choice number one. That's not for you. That's not what Jesus has died for. Fork number two. And that's the choice that James explores and encourages. And that's to come to an understanding of the trouble in your life and engage it in a meaningful way. That's the challenge. See, James tells us that our struggles have two sources. The sources, two sources, trials and temptations. One source is from within. And we might better uh, categorize those as temptations. Temptations are those enticements to do your will instead of God's will. James is going to deal with this later in the chapter. We won't deal so much with that today. The other source, the one we have in view for today, is that, that from without, those trials from without, when life is difficult. You see, you continually choose the good things of life, yet you receive criticism. You choose to be generous, and you lose your job. You lose your car. You, 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 your car breaks down. You get sick. All of your financial resources are sucked dry. Anybody here with an Amen that exactly see the the opening message of chapter one is that life's difficulties are the encounters where your faith is honed where the power of the kingdom of god is proven in the reality the messy reality of your life so instead of being what defeats you these struggles are intended to propel you to maturity and strength that's a hard concept consider that life under trial is your life on purpose. So Matt always says to be uh, determined to be here on purpose when he tells you to read your Bibles, right? Even in your struggles, be present, be here on purpose. This is true for your trials, so engage them with purpose. James says this about your trials in, in verses 2 through 4 of chapter 1. He says, consider it all joy. Already that should get your attention, right? Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see, trials and temptation are the context of where faith is perfected. And Paul refers to this in the book of Ephesians and in, in, in his letter to the Corinthians. He calls it spiritual warfare. You see, it's not all a about you. It happens to you, but it's not all about you. There's a battle in the heavenlies over this. Trial and temptation are the proving ground of your faith. They're the proving ground that the character formed, of, the God's character formed in you is powerful. And what you survive makes you stronger and wiser. 
let's look at the context of this. You saw in the little video introduction uh, that James himself was martyred and the early community was, was persecuted. You see, the trials that these first readers are likely going through are direct re- directly related to their faith. And that's why it's so important to know which position this uh, book really has in your Bible as the first book that they might have read. See, shortly after Stephen was stoned in chapter 7 of Acts, the church faced the persecution and they were scattered into all the rest of the known world at that time, essentially up into the northern reaches of the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, Then the writer himself, James, soon after the writing of this, he was martyred. He was taken to that place where Satan tempted Jesus at the highest point of the temple and thrown off into the deep valley below. He survived the fall. So they had to run down. They beat him to death. That's the author that pins the words, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. He lived what he's talking about to you. So the the joy is knowing there is a purpose. You may have a good reason to be frustrated, angry, bitter, jealous, and so on. You may lack contentment, security, peace, or whatever. The list is endless, really, but there's purpose in the pain of your suffering. And the purpose is this. The purpose is that you can be perfect. Do you feel, anybody here feel perfect? No hands, great. But please know, you can be perfect in all of your ways. That's God's plan for you. We teach this perfection through the discipleship maturity diagram. I don't know if you're familiar with that. We call it Putnam Circle, right? You start up here as a, as a, as a baby uh, Christian. You grow up, and through your experiences, you become a, 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 a child. And then you keep working at it, you become a, a teenager. And finally, you become spiritually mature and become a spiritual parent. You familiar with that language? If not... We invite you to our discipleship process. But that's the process in which we become mature and that what this perfection is trying, or, uh, these sufferings and trials are trying to move you through. Um, so and even, uh, even before James in Acts chapter 5, we see the apostles in prison, don't we? And how do they, what do they say? They say uh, in, when, he was, when they were in prison, they were released. It says they went on their way rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. That's not the way we think, is it? Are you worthy to suffer shame? So imagine the first person reading this. He's likely lost most of his worldly goods. He's been uprooted. He's been chased out of town. And there's even one guy who later becomes the Apostle Paul who's hunting them down like dirty dogs to bring them back and put them in prison in Jerusalem or to kill them outright where they are. That's the context of count it all joy when you encounter various trials. But the purpose of all this is to perfect you. You can be perfect in all your ways. We teach, oh, I've already said that, haven't I? You don't mind me repeating things once in a while, do you? For, for, uh, but yet, <laughs> yet there, there is a purpose to the battle. It's more than meets the eye, and it's in your spirit. See, there's a spiritual war going on, right? The battle is between the spiritual forces of darkness and the spiritual forces of light. It's against you, the people of light. Paul says it in Ephesians six twelve. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh, it's not against blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly realms. 
Therefore, I like therefore, that means there's something else to follow based on that. Take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So even Paul sets the expectation that there'll be, there's going to be difficulty and suffering in your life. So when you encounter trials, inconvenience, interruptions, difficulties, setbacks, attacks, accusation, whatever you encounter, you see a barrier, a distraction. You may even feel guilt and shame. Do you, any of you feel guilt and shame when, you, when life just doesn't go the way you should? That, that maybe it's your fault? Stop it. Stop it. There's somebody who has a full-time job blaming you for that. But it's his job that's making your job difficult. Make no mistake, bad behavior has its consequences. James talks about that later, but today we're talking about the purpose of those things that are not the consequences of your sin. When I think of struggles, I think of heroes. Have you ever noticed how our heroes are our heroes because of the struggles they've endured? Nobody says, oh, I really admire that guy. He's never had to over, overcome anything. Life has been so easy for him. Boy, I love how he's done that. It's all about him. That's not the way it works. In fact, we admire those who have encountered and endured great struggle and great adversity and overcome it. Their victory over enormous struggles is what makes them our heroes. I have a, a hero I met about a year ago. Derek Kreifels introduced me to him. His name is Vale Horton. You probably never heard of Vale Horton and, and have never met Vale Horton. He lives in, uh, in Washington, state of Washington, Portland, I believe. See, when Vale was born, he was born without legs. Most of his left arm is inoperative, and he has only maybe two fingers and a thumb on that. He's got a, a right arm, but he can't bend it any farther than this. He's got a hand, but the hand can't get to his face. You see some problems with that kind of a issue? He was so deformed that his parents immediately gave him up for adoption. Now, is that encouraging? <laughs> he was adopted. His adoptive mother was not one to pity and to soft sell. He tells this story. He says, I was in the kitchen one morning as a young child, and I wanted the cookies that were in the upper shelf of the upper cabinets. So I asked my stepmom, would you get the cookies for me? She says, no, if you want them, get them yourself. He did. I don't know how he did, but he did. He worked his way up to it. But once he figured out he could get the cookies, he could get anything else he wanted in life too. He didn't let his limitation limit him. See, that started him on the road of exploration, and he excelled at whatever he chose to do. Very smart young man. And even though life was harder for him than him than most other people, he still excelled. And today, he's created a $10 million business. And this business is, is based on the designs he's made and the productions he makes of assistive equipment for other people that struggle with the deformities that he, like he's got. But because he has experienced them, he knows what they need. And his devices are better than the standard devices on the market. With all the profits of his business, he's, he, has, he has a real heart for God, and he loves people, and he wants to help people succeed and excel. So he set up a number of uh, foundations that encourage people. One of the foundations he sets up, he has set up, is to address those who would become victim of their handicap. And he calls the name of this foundation, you ready for this? 
handicrap. <laughs> See, he defines handicrap as a limiting belief adopted as reality and unfair judgment against or based on perception. You see, Vale's story agrees with James' point of view. Count it all joy when you encounter trials of various kinds. See, Vale, if you ask him what his handicap was, he'd tell you it was his mouth and how rude he is to his children sometimes. He He doesn't whine about anything else. In fact, I have never seen anybody do what I've seen him do. I pale in comparison. My whole body can't even keep up with him. Here's the challenge. Don't let your trials become your handicrap. Don't let your trials become your handicrap. See, the natural... uh, Let me ask it this way. What would happen if instead of running from your difficulties, you ran headlong into them and engaged them? You might have to give up whining. You might have to step away from the pity party, and, but resort to all-out engagement that results in the exercise of your freedom and your perfection and your complete transformation. That's a challenge. It's not easy to do. You see, the natural result of all this is your perfection. And Charlie, what is perfection? I don't feel perfect. See, James promises that you can be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, zero, nada, zilch. And once you realize the, that power that's available to you and the importance of your life struggles, you can engage them, I believe, with great joy. And it's been a real challenge for me because I've been practicing this for quite a while and I've still got a long ways to go, but it does make a difference in life. Each battle you endure, even when bruised or scarred, makes you stronger and more dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Do you want to be a danger to the kingdom of darkness? I want you to be dangerous. God thinks you're dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Your perfection, your spiritual maturity endears you to the very heart of God and makes you dangerous to the forces of darkness. You're a ninja. Christian ninjas in the forces of darkness. You, child of God, are a force to be reckoned with. Amen? Amen. See, you've got to know that you're not alone in all that. You have the powerful resources from God's hand it says, but if any of you in verse five lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind for that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. See, you're never on your own. You're never left out there in the cold. These verses contain God's offer of help to partnership with you as you encounter and face these trials. But you hear that voice of the accuser in your ear. You're stupid. You deserve this. What kind of a Christian are you that this is happening to you? Good Christians don't have these kinds of problems. You must be awful. Those are all lies. Don't ever listen to these voices. See, that's all about God's character. It's the introduction talked about. When we listen to those voices, we choose the character of darkness over the character of God. But God has promised you wisdom and success and perfection. No beyond a shadow of a doubt, these voices are from the spiritual forces of darkness. They hate God and they hate you. Don't listen to them. By contrast, it's you God trusts to take the local territory of the kingdom of God for him. He's put you in charge of that. He trusts you. He's chosen you to do that. Hell's fury is born out of the fear that when you realize your power, and when you realize you are 
covered by the blood of Jesus and the power you have in that, that you will uproot the kingdom of darkness by your faith and your endurance. That's how powerful you are. God, God's wisdom is the resource you need to achieve this perfection. See, wisdom here is the understanding the nature and the purpose of your trials and how to meet them victoriously. God's wisdom and resources are yours simply for the asking. How do you ask for God's wisdom? That's what you do on your knees in your prayer room when you're there on purpose. You say, Father, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you give a guy a break? Help me out. See, God's the source of wisdom necessary to meet every one of these trials and temptations. And God is generous and will give you what you ask for. He does not scold you. He does not berate you. He doesn't say you should do it on your own. He doesn't say you're all alone. He says, I'd love to. And he extends the help. He stands ready for your invitation. He invites you and informs you. He draws you to him and equips you to succeed. The Apostle Paul might phrase it something like this. You see, he challenges you to put on your onesie of God's armor. You know what a onesie is? See, we think that you go to the armor store and you put down payments and you get your shield over here, your helmet over here, your boots over here, your buckle over your belt here, and your breastplate over here. But no, it's a onesie. It's an all or nothing deal. And it covers you from head to toe. It's God is your armor. And when you put God on as your armor, you have everything that God has. But armor is for, for battle. So engage that battle. So you have to focus. There's a caveat in this. You can't be double-minded. You can't say, I want to win and listen to those voices. You can't be double-minded. You have to prove yourself. What trial are you facing? James challenges you to prove your faith in that trial. It says in verse 22, he says, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So don't go away with warm, fuzzy feelings. Go away with the truth. See, in the discipling things we use here at New City Church, we express it this way. It says, when, you, when you've asked for wisdom, what are you hearing and what are you going to do about it? Right? That's the two questions of life for us. So what trial do you need to embrace and let God work in you? Will you put on your onesie armor? Man, you can come up at this point. I'm nearly through. I know it sounds like it's going to go on forever, but you can come up. So what distraction do you need to engage with all your might and, and faith until God gives you victory and maturity? You can bet he's talking to you right now. Whatever trial you're facing, there's no shortage, is there? Anybody got a trial they can work on? You can practice this today, right? So do that. So get your joy on. Let your faith loose on the forces of darkness and grow up. Today I want to, you to engage. I want you to come to the point where you, you know that God's people are trusted with life's difficulties. And they are heaven's invitation to you to bring heaven's will to an earthly reality. Agree with James and develop a new attitude of engagement with God when things don't seem to be going your way. I want you to move from victor, from victim to victor where the kingdom of heaven and your maturity are revealed. So make a commitment to change how you respond to trials. Share your struggle with someone today. Say, I'm having a struggle with this. Help me. Speak the word of God into my life to win in this and to take the territory. Be bold. Write it on a commitment card today and put it in. We'll pray with you. We'll join with you. As Curtis leads in a song now, let's talk to God. Let's proclaim. Let's celebrate that together victory and freedom is yours 
in Jesus Christ. 